All right, live BP, special, special, special guest. I haven't had, I haven't talked to anyone so closely retiring since Sean Casey back in 2009. <laughs> <laughs> and, and John, John Lester, I, and I remember this because Sean Casey announced his retirement by texting me in a movie thing. I was in a movie. It's like, by the way, I'm retiring. Okay. So the, <laughs> but first of all, congratulations, John. It must feel like cathartic for you. It must feel good, right? Do you feel good? Yeah. I mean, I feel great. Um, you know, I, like I've said in the last couple of days, you know, doing some of this stuff, um, you know, I've known for a while. So, you know, kind of it, I guess it was kind of old news to me when we announced it, you know, I, you know, not to take away from it, but, you know, we, we just wanted to make sure getting through everything and, you know, the making sure I didn't get the itch to start throwing again and, and all that stuff. So, um, just felt like, you know, now was a, now was a good time to do it. And, um, yeah, I mean, I feel good about it. I, I'm at ease with everything and, and, uh, ready to start this new chapter. All right. So I remember when Tito, uh, told you, you were the opening day starter for the first time you were in a tree stand, correct? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so I, so there, there's moments like that where you remember the first time that happens or when that happened. Like, I know that when you announced it, like you said, you had been sort of been going through it. But do you remember the first time where you're like, this, I, I've made this decision? Uh, I mean, it's always been kind of in the back of my head for the, you know, maybe the last couple of years, you know, just kind of figuring it out. And, and you know, I knew I had, I was under contract till, uh, you know, 20 with the Cubs and then the option and all that. And then that got declined. And then you know, I knew I wanted to play that year. I'd already kind of committed in my mind to play last year. And, you know, just I, I don't want to say like going into it, I knew that it was going to be the end. I just I kind of was in my mind OK with it if it was the end. You know, I was kind of like, let's wait and see what happens, how I, you know, how I pitch, how my body feels, um, you know, the family aspect of it, how that goes, um, you know, a lot of things. And then just about like halfway through the year, you know, just some stuff like, you know, just not recovering like I used to, um, you know, obviously it's, it's harder, uh, when you're trying to reinvent yourself and, and do things that you, you know, have never done before and feel comfortable with that. And, you know, not to say that wasn't fun to do that, but at the same time, you know, I just kind of realized it's, it's, you know, it's time. And, and kind of from that point forward, about the middle of the year forward, I was just, in my mind kind of getting ready for it and preparing for it and um you know made it a lot easier kind of when the season ended there are so many great moments including by the way when we played golf at bridgestone and where was that oh well, you and me and back oh, yeah so so this is one of the this, and i bring this up because people understand like what a good athlete you were man like <laughs> It's crazy. And I keep mentioning like, you know, the professional soccer and Duncan and everything. But what I remember is that one time we played golf, me, you and Beckett, like it didn't seem like you played a lot of golf, but holy crap, like you hit the crap out of the ball. And, and yeah, I mean, it's it's and I I think like the, this is this was one of the underrated. I'm, I'm going to profess that John Lester, most underrated professional baseball athlete. <laughs> That I've ever seen, right? Correct. Well, I don't know about that, but 
when I do hit it, it goes. I know that. It's just a matter of if it goes straight or not. That's that's the uh, that's the uh, crutch right now for me. Mm, well, you know, I'm sure that you're still still intimidated by my golf game as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a bad. I still have nightmares about it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, obviously, you know, we, you know, I wrote about you with the Red Sox and everything else, and, and like, in you know, we've talked about this before. Um, but you know, I just ask you straight out. Back in 2013, when you win, did you feel like you were going to be a Red Sox for life? I I, I always thought that. Um, you know, even in 14, when when you know things kind of broke down in spring training, you know, I thought that you know something would happen to where we would just kind of magically work it out. Um, you know, and. To be honest, like when I got traded out to Oakland, I thought, you know, OK, I'll just, you know, it's a little vacation for two months and, and I'll be right back uh, come the offseason. Um, but, yeah, I mean, definitely when when you when you sign a you know deal when you're young and then, you know, you have a chance to, to get close to free agency, you know, it's not really something I wanted to do. Um, you know, like in 13, you know, I wanted them to pick up my option and, and we'll figure it out and. And, you know, kind of go from there and, and, you know, kind of just plan for me to just ride off in the sunset as a Red Sox in, in six years or five years or seven years, whatever deal we come up with. Um, but, you know, and then, you, you know, things happen, business, business happens. And, you know, I got traded and, and realized that, you know, I can do this in, in another place and kind of opened my eyes to, you know, the opportunities that, that were out there for me come free agency. So like you said, if you, and you know, I've, I've said this, but I, and I believe it. I think it's true. If you don't go to Oakland, it's a different story when you hit the off season. Right. I mean, you, you see, you see that there's life outside Boston. Yeah. I mean, I think so. I mean, I think if, if you stay, if you stay with the Red Sox and then, and finish, and then, you know, you get into free agency, if that's all, you know, then you're, you're always going to kind of go back to that. Um, you know, not to say that the decision would have been any different, um, not to say that, you know, I would have come back as a Red Sox. I don't know. But, you know, going out there, like I said, definitely opens your mind and, and opens your, your eyes and, and ears to everything that that's going on. And, and, you know, a whole new philosophy, a whole new coaching staff, whole new everything. And, you know, like I said, you realize that you can you can still perform when you're uncomfortable. Um, and, you know, that you know, definitely, I don't want to say helped me, but it, it kind of eased my mind going into free agency that if we did decide to go somewhere else, that I would be okay, or we would be okay doing it. When you go to that off season heading after 2014 and um, the Red Sox, obviously they loop back, they show interest, they're in it. Um, and then they come the Cubs. I think the Giants were in it too. Right. I mean, uh, but with the Red Sox, did you did you go to John Henry's house? Is that it? Do I remember that right? No, they they came here. Okay, that's right. Okay. Yeah, the, it was it was John, Larry, Ben. Um, I'm missing somebody. I don't remember if Tom. I think Tom was here. Um, that's a lot. That's you know that's here they come. Yeah. But yeah, what, I mean it, it was it was like getting the band back together. You know, like it was everybody and and. <laughs> you know, it was a great meeting. I mean, it was, it really was a great meeting. And, you know, at that time there was still a lot of questions about, you know, where the Red Sox were going. 
um, you know, coming off a losing season in 14. And so, I mean, it, it, it was interesting. It was, it was kind of, kind of cool to see the other side you know you have conversations with those guys you know most of the time individually um but they're not really like business conversations you know they're they're hey how's the family how's you know this or whatever so to actually sit down and and listen to them you know kind of do this business proposal uh per se was i mean it was interesting for me you know especially being being there for so long and never really hearing that side of it Mm. um you know, so it was pretty cool. I mean, it, it was a great meeting. Like I said, they were all great meetings that, that I had. Uh, the Giants guys were awesome. You know, when they came in, uh, Buster Posey came and, and his wife. And uh, that was that was awesome. Um, you know, it was just a, it was a cool experience all the way around. What was uh, I know that you you were close with Theo and Jed. And but was there was there something besides relationships? Like, obviously, you said, like the Red Sox put it together a good a presentation. The Giants do as well. And it's all good and well that you have this relationship with Theo and Jed. But was there something that like that sort of clicked with them? Besides the contract, obviously they give you a good contract, but there was something that they like something that they said that was like, Yeah, that's that's the thing right there. Well, so they were the only ones that we went to. Like we went up to Chicago and and saw, you know, the 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 insides of Wrigley. They were doing some renovations and uh you know saw their saw their proposal as opposed to them bringing the proposal to me so it was a little bit different you know I got to watch a lot of you know hype video on you know the Chris Bryant's and the Javi Baez's and the Schwarber's and and so forth and all those young guys and you know I think I think if they come here it's a it's a whole different vibe than going there um I think the biggest thing there was two things that stood out to me and I've, I've mentioned this before but one was you know, kind of Theo's cockiness about these young guys that they drafted and how they were going to come up and they were going to contribute and they were going to be, you know, this type of player and and whatever. And then, you know, the other thing I always kept going back to is like, well, if, if we go to Chicago and we do this, like we win, we beat, we, we break the curse. Like that's, you know, that's like storybook ending stuff. You know what I mean? Like that's crazy if we're able to do it. So I always kept coming back to that. Like, I think I said yesterday, you know, I don't feel like I missed out on the 04 because I was nowhere close to being ready to be a big leaguer by any, any means. Um, But like, I feel like I missed out. You know what I mean? Like I've got to watch those guys Mm -hmm. do that. And that was so cool because being a part of the organization was awesome. And you got to experience that as a Red Sox, you know, per se. Um. So I kept always coming back to that. I'm like, man, those guys got to do it. Like, I wonder if, I wonder if we could do it. You know, I wonder if, if I go there with all these young guys, you know, then having Riz and having other, you know, these other guys that are there and other moves that they had made, like, I wonder if we could do it. So it always kind of came, came back in my mind. Um, so those were probably the two things um, for me that, that really kind of kept, kept bringing my mind back to, to the Cubs. So looping back to the Red Sox, when those guys come to your house, um, what was their set like? So they can't sell like, hey, you can win for the first time. You just won, right? Yeah. Yeah. What was their what? They're going to give you money. They're going to give you years. What was their selling? Was there anything unique about that you remember about their sort of proposal? Well, I think, you know, they, they tried to they tried to use the, you know, the nostalgia of it, you know, being a Red Sox. You know, they're like, even though it's for two months in Oakland, you'll still be a Red Sox. Um, 
you know, they showed, they had this book um, that I think I still have somewhere that, you know, was all these pictures and, and like kind of their breakdown of stuff. And then at the end, the last picture was my number up on the, on the deal, the Budweiser deck in right field, you know, being retired up there. So, you know, that was cool, you know, cause I never really thought about that. Um, you know, so that was unique, you know, it, it's just it's the comfort you know like I said it's the nostalgia it's the you know you want to come back it's it's the I know where spring training is I know sorry it's all right you know I, I know where everything's at I know what I need to do I know I how to prepare the coaching staff is is great or what you know medical all that stuff so there's a lot of comfort there it's just you know just a matter of do you want to stay comfortable or do you want to um you know, take a leap to the, to the unknown. I want to come back to the, you signed an extension with the Red Sox and, you know, in obviously because you like security, you, you've like, this is a good, good deal for me. I'm going to sign an extension. Pedroia did it. Euclid did it. I go down the list. Now we, we talk about this all the, all the time, John, like with, with players. Now we're talking about with Devers. We talked about with Mookie. We talked about with Xander. Do you think the mindset of players have changed in that respect uh, in terms of, uh, and everyone looks at this different about, you know, teams coming in and say, Hey, you want to get this extension? Like we talked with Beckett, right? Beckett. Yeah. Remember Beckett was like, Hey, they came locked out to me when I had a five ERA and said, do you want to sign an extension? Um, do you think this has changed in baseball? Cause it seems like guys, more guys are sort of betting on themselves. Maybe I'm wrong, but yeah, I mean, I think a little bit has changed. I think the biggest thing that that I've noticed just over the years is these young guys are so more are so much more educated in the game, in their stats, what makes them good, what compares them to other guys that make X, you know. So like they know at year two what their projection level is, right? Like I barely knew how the system worked when I got called up. You know what I mean? Like wait, wait a second. I don't, I don't get a raise. Cause I had a good year last year. Like I, I still make big league minimum. Like that's what I meant. You know? So like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm being, you know, sarcastic with that, but it, it, you, these kids come in and they, like I said, they know, like they know their war, they know their XFIP and what that actually means and their Sierra and all this other stuff. So they know how to make themselves better and they know how to improve and they know, okay, the team comes to me with a seven or a, let's just say a five-year deal with three team options that is only this AAV. Like they look at that like, no, what are you doing? Like that's not even close to what my value is. And, you know, I think they understand the free agent value and like being controllable value as well. Um, you know, you still have guys that sign deals, which I'm a big believer in if it's a fair deal. You know, like you can always look at guys that sign deals when they're young and go and and after the deals, you know, halfway through or three quarters of the way through, go, man, he signed a terrible deal because look, look how he played. Well, but also you got to look at it this way. Like, would he have played that well if he didn't have that security? Mm-hmm. You know, like like I, I use Anthony Rizzo as an example. Anthony Rizzo is a guy that that really likes stability, you know, so he signs that extension with the Cubs when he's young. Now he can just go play. He doesn't have to worry about arbitration or, or anything like that. 
or they, are they going to lock me up? Are they going to offer me this or whatever? He just goes in place for six years or whatever. He's willing to give up, you know, a year or two of free agency for that comfort comfortability, you know, like, so there's certain guys that, that need it. There's certain guys that don't care. I mean, you look at like Pat, Pat, Pat was willing, Hey, I'm going year to year. I'm going to maximize everything I can, you know, like that's Pat. I couldn't do that. Like I, I, that's not my personality. I like the stability of it. So to go back to your question, I think not only are the agents educating players better, I think the players are educating themselves better and, and fair value. Um, you know, and I think still there's some teams out there that try to, um, to try to get guys, you know, for really team friendly deals. And at the same, like, I don't argue with them for it. Like, why wouldn't you, like, why wouldn't you try to lock somebody up, like throw, you know, a few million dollars at them and go, Hey, you know, here's a little carrot. You want it? Um, and if they say yes, it's great for it's great for both sides. I mean, you've just you just set your family up for the rest of their lives, you, you know, and now you can just go play. And in a certain amount of time, hopefully you get another chance at, at an even bigger contract, you know. So um, I think that's the biggest thing is guys are just way more educated. You know, like you see it more guys. Guys are just are crazy when it comes to to all the stats and, and what they what they need to do to, to be better at. That's a great point. It's a great point. And by the way, Pap's coming on the podcast tomorrow, and he's going. Nice. To, he's going to officially retire on the podcast. Really? Why? Well, I, 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 I don't think he ever retired. He never officially retired. He like went into hiding. You know, he, he oh. disappeared. See, so I, I kind of assume he did because he does broadcast now. Oh, or not does broadcast, he? but pre and post game. For what? Sometimes. For who? Nesson from time oh, to time. He does, he does the pregame and postgame so he can argue with Jim Rice. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I don't think he ever retired. I just think he disappeared and now he reappeared. So we have. I mean, he he fired that uh that opening pitch for Game Three in the ALCS. Yes, he saw still, that he, he came in and did it. the whole. Yeah, he did the whole Cinco Ocho deal out there. Yep. Listen, he could be in a rocking chair in 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 Suite L nine. I don't care. He hasn't retired until he says he's retired. So <laughs> I love it. Yeah, he'll, he does it, John Lester. Uh, I love so, it. That's, all right. So um, before, so Coop is going to ask you. He has his favorite John Lester moment, and he wants the thirty for thirty on it, like the behind the scenes of it, whatever it may be. But before he asked that, um, what was the bar tab? What was it? you probably saw oh. In Chicago, it was uh, with the tips. It was like forty-three or something thousand, <laughs> something wow. something crazy. What was your second biggest bar tab that you ever had to pay? <laughs> See, that's an original question right there. Um, I'm trying to think. And did it involve Josh Beckett? No, it didn't involve Josh. Um, I want to say I had one with the Cubs that was like 12 or 13 for the team. Wow. Yeah. You just went out with a team and said, I'm paying. Yeah. It was something we, it was, yeah. I don't remember what it was for. I think it was a playoff deal or something, but yeah, it was, it was the whole, it was the entire team and you know, some steakhouse somewhere. And it was, I think, it, I think that was probably my second highest. You get stuck with that. Or are you just like, Hey guys, I got this. Cause I'm oh, I mean, 
I did it. I mean, on that team, you know, the only other guy that might have done it would have been Lack. Mm-hmm. Um, but his big thing when he signed with Chicago is he's like, you know, I'm coming over there and you're paying for everything now. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it was a given. Um, it was a given when we set it up. So, I mean, it was – I knew I knew it was coming my way. All right, Coop, favorite John Lester moment behind the scenes. So, so this is like a Red Sox podcast technically – and I should do a moment from the Red Sox, but I'm going to choose something that I think is like your biggest moment and uh, or biggest moment that you were a part of, but that's probably the greatest baseball game ever played game seven of the uh, 2016 world series. Okay. Um, And that's like it, that's the icing on the cake for what was like a great, great series and a lot of ties to Boston within that series. So we always get like the Cubs perspective on that, but what was it like, you know, playing with a lot of old teammates and a former, former coach and Tito? Yeah. I mean, that, I think that was kind of an added curveball to the whole thing, you know, to, to not use a, a you know, baseball pun there, but, you know, f- facing Nap, you know, and then having Tito on the other side and Millsy and, and, and that all those guys and then having lack there too. Um, you know, it was kind of like one of those deals when when you're sitting there and you're playing the Dodgers, you're like, God, I hope we don't have to play the Indians. You know, like I don't want I don't want to play Tito. Like I know how good of a manager he is. I know that, you know, they have a, they had a very good team. Um, so there's just like a lot of that, like, uh, you know, I don't want to end up beating, you know, you're thinking on your side, like, I don't want to end up beating Tito, you know, like and then I don't want Tito to end up beating us. You know what I mean? Like, so it's yeah, there's a lot of things in there, a lot of pride involved. Um you know, the really cool part about like Nap and, and Tito and, and, you know, all the people involved was it was like before the game started, you know, we're all buddies, we're all family. And then as soon as pitch one happened, it's like locked in, let's go. You know what I mean? Like it's, yep. now it's business. As soon as the game's over with, it's back to being family, you know, like. So did that make the series more fun for you? as like yeah. a player since like opposed to like the two Red Sox ones where you're playing the Rockies where you barely probably know any of them because you're fresh in the league. And then the Cardinals is you don't really spend time in that NL. So you yeah. probably don't know them as well. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely no, you know, you're not looking across the way at a friend that you've, you know, played with before. Like, I don't think we knew anybody on the Cardinals or I, I didn't know anybody that was there. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the, the Indians. Yeah. I mean, that adds, that adds a little bit to it. You know, I think, I think, you know, like I said, it adds that pride. It adds that kind of those bragging rights. Um, you know, I, whenever, anytime I see nap now, I gotta, I gotta always say something to him about it at, at some point during the, during the day when I see him. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, it just adds, I don't, I don't really know how to describe it. It just, it just adds a little bit, like I said, of that kind of, well, I'm, I'm not going like to, I, I have this one on you. Yeah. Almost, yeah. But like in a playful yeah. way. Yeah, exactly. In a very serious way, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> I, the beers. Uh, oh, maybe like after the third ring, it's more of a playful way. Yeah. No, no, it's not. No, not in the World Series. It's never did, playful. Did you know that? Speaking of Napoli, did you know that he like disappeared for three days and like was Roman Boylston Street shirtless? Oh yeah. It, okay. <laughs> yeah. Making sure. We all knew. I mean, we we were like people were sending people out to check on him. Like we were, we had like search parties and stuff going for him. 
It was great. Said, I mean, he, he, he said, earned it. He said his mom, yeah. he said his mom was with him. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me. He also got Mayor Marty Walsh elected. I told him this. He, he, he didn't have a shirt on, and someone threw him a, a Marty Walsh shirt. He put it on. I'm like, election done. <laughs> You're like, uh, if you could bet on the mayor race, you would bet on that one. Oh, man. Like, when you want to win an election, go to Mike Napoli. Um, hey, John, I appreciate it. Listen, you know, so many good memories, so many good memories um, covering you, being around, watching you from afar. Uh, it's truly, like, I, from the bottom of my heart, you know, congratulations. Just great stuff. One of my favorite guys to cover. And um and I know great things are ahead. So awesome, awesome stuff. I hope you're enjoying yourself, enjoying this process. And, and um, anytime you need anything, this podcast is here to, to help you with it. I got you. Well, I appreciate it, man. It's been, it's been a fun ride. And like you said, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next chapter. So it should be fun. All right. Thanks, man. All right.